Welcome back to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line, brought to you by me, former England captain Dylan Hartley. Off the back of their opening game of the Six Nations, I'm back in camp with the Red Roses to see how life in the bubble is treating them. And this week, I'm joined by England flanker Vicky Fleetwood and fullback Sarah McKenna. Vicky, Sarah, thank you for joining me. The first game of the Six Nations is done. Great result for you guys. Bonus point win. How was it being back out there? Yeah, it was it was awesome. I think we've been training for like so long for that moment to finally be together, like in a white shirt. Like, and the, the training we've been doing has been like next level stuff that we've never experienced before. So I think we were all just waiting for that moment, like where we could put that into practice and see like where that how far that's got us. So the fact that we've just been going so like hard in on each other for like weeks and weeks and weeks now, it was just great to see like us actually getting to like perform that on on our opposition rather than ourselves and see where we're at. Brilliant. Um- Vicky, you know, post-match, you, you've been preparing for the game for so long. What was the overall sort of emotion and, and feeling with, obviously, result is exactly what you want, but what about performance? How, how did you guys assess that? I think it was actually just a bit flat afterwards because well, that's, I trained... that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, so just because we know that we could have done better, there were a couple of tries we left out there, just, you know, last last pass just went to ground and it was just kind of individual errors. Um, and just because we have, like McKenna says, like we've been training so hard that, you know, we wanted to go out there and have that perfect performance, which is never going to happen until we get that. I think that like even the coaches as well are just we're all just a bit like, oh, that could have been better. So, yeah, amazing to put so many points on. Obviously, Scotland is such a, a much better team than they have been and they're building year on year. So for us to still get that scoreline is amazing. And I think looking back at it and in the review this morning there were more positives than we kind of thought after the game like collectively I think everyone just hoped that we'd have got a little more in there. Sorry to pause I can hear a ringing and I've just realised I think I've got my wife's phone in my coat and it's right there and it's searched my iPhone it's <laughs> yeah, going I'm just going to chuck it outside sorry. <laughs> sorry I'm professional right I'm back <laughs> that's my one wrong doing I was sitting there trying to listen to you as well, Vicky. Like, and then there was just going off right there. McKenna said all the good stuff. Cut my bit. <laughs> okay, so you said that you've been preparing for the game. You know, you've gone to another level. And I've talked to mids and I talked to pops and bots last week about the intensity that you've been training at. You know, I'm, I'm really keen to come in and see your PPP session. You guys obviously been around the team for like a decade now. Um, and you've been, in, sorry, <laughs> that's really impressive, by the way. Um but you've seen this environment, you know, change and you've obviously been sevens players as well. So you've been in different environments. How open are you guys to change? Because obviously it's getting harder. And, you know, when change is hard, the change is hard to do, right? How, how have you guys approached that? I, I quite like it. I like being challenged. And um, I think for me, especially with the conditioning side of things, that's something that I actually really love. So like when we're being tested and challenged in that way, I hope um, that like I thrive in that situation. Like that's kind of my bread and butter. So the fact that I moved from hooker to back row um, after going through the seven setup and stuff, and um, that's because I like really worked on, on that side of things and just continuing to like that repeatability is something that I want to show on the field. So yeah, it's, it's tough, but at the same time, when, when you finish, like you feel like you've accomplished something 
the hardest part has been because obviously I was one of the finishers uh, in yesterday's game in training. We've we've been playing with 13 against 15. So we were actually pretty prepared when uh, there was those bins yesterday. We were, we were on the side going, we do this week in, week out. We're all ready to go. <laughs> so we were like prepped for it. <laughs> There's so many teams training with 13 or 14 at the moment because of the, I suppose, the un, unpredictable nature. And every every team I played in, for some reason, they're trained with 14 men as well. Um, <laughs> let's go back to 2011. Um, you guys have known each other. Can I say 2011 or did you know each other previous? We knew each other before because we played under 20s together. Okay. Sarah, have you got first impressions of Vicky? Oh, Fleo. Um yeah, like she, she was just like always like giving it all into training, like obviously fitness like has always been a massive thing for her. So I remember like back in the day when we were like all 16, all the under 20s girls like were all carrying like baby weight, like puppy faces sort of thing. And like Fleet was still like trim and slimline like then. So like she has always been like a massive part of our game. And I think like throughout our sort of we'll be like jumping on like right now, like cream eggs and stuff like that, like back in the day in the 20s. And she was like so professional. She's always been like the ultimate professional within that. Right, Vicky, you're going to have to say something really kind about um No, that's the kindest thing she's ever said about me. First impressions the other way around? I mean, she just basically said you're uber professional from 16 years old. I definitely wasn't. Um, I I just massively remember, like, I can just remember all the dump tackles she used to make. And I was just like, oh, my God, because she was in the centres and she'd just get that line speed and just absolutely, like, especially being, like, a bit of a smaller player, she'd just smash people I just remember, I just remember like always thinking, oh my god, I wish I could hit like that. <laughs> what, what what about so let's go to 2011. You both get capped. What are, what are your memories of of your first cap, Sarah? I don't have a huge amount of memories of it. Like um, I was just pretty terrified to go on. So I remember at that point in the game, it was like pretty close. So I was like, why why the hell are you bringing me on? Like, I was pretty confused. I was like, this is poor coaching. But uh, yeah, it was like a bit of a baptism of fire. I mean, within the context of the tournament we were playing, like the game didn't mean a lot. But like obviously playing in a white shirt, you go out there to win win every game. But luckily, like came through unscathed. Um, had like uber senior players around, like people who had been in the squad for ages. So I just felt like a massive like small fish back then. So yeah, like all about I suppose the experiences. We were abroad at the time in Canada, um, so it's just about taking it all in and, and trying to like get through it um, with like your ego intact. Every player I've talked to on here, and I was one of these players as well everyone kind of gets there to, to international rugby and they've wanted it for so long. But when they get there, they're like, oh, this is different to what I thought it would be. Am I ready type thing? And there's lots of players that tour and are kind of thankful that they never played on that tour and they got to get a taste of it. Did, did you feel a bit like that, Vicky, in terms of when you arrived to play senior women's rugby for, for England? I mean, so I didn't have that sitting on the bench scenario because I actually started... But um, I was more worried about the fact that I was rooming with Rocky Clark. What? Tell <laughs> um, me about Rocky then. What, what? Come so, on, she's retired now, so you can, you can say whatever you want. It's not going to affect you. So obviously, like, I'd only ever, I hadn't played at club with her or anything like that back then. Um, I'd only ever played against her. And then we used to play in the A's, like the kind of the year leading up to when we got capped. So we were always just playing against her. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, she's so fierce. Like, she's pretty scary. Um, I'm not sure. And then I was like, I don't know if that's like for me. Obviously, there was quite an age gap as well. Like, she'd got loads of caps, um, proper senior player. I was more worried about that than actually getting on the field. And then as soon as I was rooming with her, she is the softest person in the world. 
Um, she cries at everything. She's always like got her arm around you, trying to big you up. Like she's the nicest person, like off the field, just on it. Totally different. I've shared a few drinks with uh, with Rocky in Monaco of all places. It was very funny. Right, the other thing about you two is is you're quite unique in the fact that you've you've kind of been in both camps in terms of sevens and fifteens. Can you you know I can't imagine that. You know, like for me playing for England and going back to play club rugby, like trying to memorise two sets of line-out calls was hard enough. But there's not even slight nuances. It's a completely different game, right, when you go from sevens to fifteens. How have you guys managed that? Like, And, and just tell me about your experience with it. I suppose sevens for us always used to be something we'd do in the summer, like because back in the day, like you could, especially even if you were playing for England, you might be able to get away and like do a couple of sevens tournaments, like social sevens. So I think like for me, it was always something like I really, really enjoyed, like a chance just to like let loose. And then like, obviously it was getting like bigger and bigger and bigger and there was more focus being put on it. And I just like ended up really enjoying my, my time doing it. So um, I guess it transformed into like getting a contract and being one of the, like the first players to have a sevens contract like full-time sevens contract because I think like we were all learning we were all learning how to play the sport and like what women women's sevens was like it was sort of uncharted territory to like a degree in the, on that professional sense so I think we were all like teaching each other as much as as much as like you know being taught it from a coach brilliant do you, do you think in terms of your development as a player Vicky do you think it gave you the opportunity to develop your game take the shackles off it and just go play yeah, absolutely. Um, it definitely developed like my decision making, my handling, all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of brought me into be a bit more of that link player between the forwards and the backs. I just think for me, like I never got that real opportunity. I was kind of moved between prop and wing in sevens. So I'm quick, but I'm not sevens quick. And for me, that was like quite daunting to be playing on the wing against like lightning quick people. The only thing I had was that I was probably bigger than them. So if they've run around me, like I'm never going to chase them down because they've just got more pace than me. So, yeah, I just don't think that I ever fully really got enough chance to to play enough sevens because of injury, because of like not being selected or whatever to really find my feet so much. Because I kind of the two years that I spent there were, were split um, and I went back to 15s playing in the front row which like you say is so different it's so safe <laughs> no one's running around you on the wing there are you you're next to a ruck you're you're in safe safe territory yeah exactly so um yeah i think it's probably a little bit easier for a back to slot into kind of sevens whereas for me it was like constant mental challenge as well as physical challenge yeah so it's fair to say that you're more at home in the in the 15s game sarah for for you where would you prefer to play sevens 15s what what do you prefer for me, like 115, I like enjoy, I suppose, the strategy of playing like full 80 minutes and getting to like apply different parts of your game plan to like an opposition at different points in the match, move between that. But I obviously in the shortened format, you make a mistake over three minutes and you're done for. And so and there's sort of like no coming back from that. So you, you get a couple of moments wrong or you, or you don't make the right decision and, it, and it's cutthroat, isn't it? And, you sort of the game's gone but I just enjoy that back and forth moments like you said earlier like there's ebbs and flows for 15s game where one team's on top and you've got to change that momentum somehow and obviously sevens being so fast and furious you just don't get don't get a chance to like breathe <laughs> actually breathe um, so I just enjoy that strategy element of, of 15s versus versus sevens I, f- I find like 15s is probably like way more closed skill set whereas sevens you're probably a bit more of a rounder player and I'm just thinking for for you know, you guys attracting other other girls and women to the game. Do you think sevens is a good place to start, potentially? 
yeah, any, I mean, any sort of rugby, right? Like, just any sort of, like, like we say, like, get down club and play. But it doesn't take many people to create a sevens team. I think that's the beauty of it. And that's why, I guess, it's taken off all around the world. Like, countries, you wouldn't play 15s, but they're, they're playing sevens. So I think that's the beauty of it, isn't it? You only seven people and you sort of have, have real good, like, a ground people. But, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, a lot of people have put off because everyone just goes on, oh, it's so fast, like you're dead all the time and you run legs off you. And I think that really puts people off. But actually, like you said, it's that, you know, your skills get exploited. And if you like want to put yourself at the test, no better place to do it. I think what, what loads of people do enjoy about it is that the social tournaments that you can play in. And that's what you really want to be involved in when you first start playing, because it's so much fun. Okay, let's talk socially. You, you must have, you know, Simmons taking you um, all around the world. Well, M15s, what's the best place you've played rugby abroad? Or some of your highlights, it, you know, just rattle them off. New Zealand away in 2017 was amazing when we were and when we played um, before the Lions test. Mate, Road to that Vegas, that's my hometown, baby. Road to Vegas, the bright <laughs> lights. It was so good. Um, it stunk though. Yeah, it's part of the, you know, the experience. <laughs> Do you get used to it or not? Or when you live in the countryside, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was like probably one of my favourite memories. And I was on the bench, so <laughs> um, to have it as one of your favourite memories and actually be on the bench, I think that says a lot. Uh, are you talking like the experience, like you've got the Lions travelling support there, the whole tour, you're yeah. playing in New Zealand where it's religion, they live and breathe it, it's a big deal. And then the result, okay. So, and Rotorua being the beautiful place that it is, Yeah. Yeah, although we did, we end like I said, it stunk, and we ended up stinking on the plane on the way back because we thought, oh, it'd be really good. We'll go to the springs. That was honestly the worst idea we ever had. Even though we obviously showered afterwards, we were like, oh yeah, putting it all on our face. No, nah, that's how you get meninge and cockle. What's that? It sounds worse than it's just basically <laughs> bad. You don't want it going in your mouth or your ears. Um, oh right, we weren't told that. But anyway, <laughs> we uh, we then had like twenty four hour flight on the way home where everyone just stunk of sulphur. <laughs> yeah, so that's local knowledge. Sorry, you didn't get the uh, the brief. Um, what about you, Sarah? Oh, like, obviously, you can't have this conversation without mentioning Dubai, whether you go as like, a fan or a player. Like, it's, it's next level, it's something else. I don't think you can get an idea of, like, how extreme it is until you're out there, whether it's, like, the heat or just the size of it. Like, all the travelling fans when you're there, it's, like, home from home, playing under, like, the lights at night. And it's still like 30 degrees is, is pretty special. I think that's a memory that will probably always stay with anyone who plays there, no matter like sort of what tier tournament they're in. Um, but then I think with with the women's seven, especially, we always went to like smaller locations, like the lesser known locations in country. So we went to some like pretty like random places. We went to Brazil, we went to Sao Paulo, and that's quite like an unusual tournament and played in a massive, massive football stadium. It's like torrential rain comes six o'clock and like like the rain was like beating down. But I guess it's just all that stuff that like you do outside of it, all those moments that like you share with each other. Hi, this is George Ford and you're listening to the official England Rugby Podcast with Auto Inside Line. Vicky, I know that the Olympics was a huge goal of yours. Um, you obviously had a background in athletics and it was a big part of your upbringing. But um, life kind of had other plans for you on, on the way to Rio. Do you, do you mind talking about how your mum passed and you had to make that difficult decision? Yeah, so um, just kind of like leading up to the Olympics, it came at a really good time. I had a stress response in my foot. So at the time, my mum had just been told that like her cancer was terminal and that she was actually given like weeks, not months. 
And at that time, I was just like, do you know what? Rather than me being in and around training all the time, I'm going to use that time to go home and spend that time with my mum. So I missed out on going. I, there was like a back to back tour, but I, I'd been put in a boot anyway. So I was like, well, I'll be training like at SSP with a couple of the girls that have been left behind. Like that wasn't the right environment for me to be in. But yeah, thankfully, like I wasn't away at the time. Thankfully, I was injured and it meant that I could be with my family, put my family first, because at the end of the day, rugby's a game and there's much more to life. And obviously, family is so important. So I stayed at home and it meant that I could be by my mum's side, like when she passed away. And actually, you know, I did miss out on a few tournaments. And because I missed like those two big tournaments, it meant that the team had pretty much been solidified uh, on the back of that. There wasn't really much opportunity to kind of get a foot in so after my mum passing me being back in training like a week later or whatever although the girls were like so supportive they all like wore black like armbands like the day that they'd heard because they were playing on that day and they actually went out and won the tournament um which was amazing like loved watching that and then um yeah I was back in training when they all came back we just had like a final shot it was both me and Sarah um we all went with the team to um where was it in the Alps somewhere in France to play against France and it was kind of our last opportunity but they kind of knew who they wanted to take and it just wasn't meant to be but you know I'd always choose kind of not going to the Olympics and being with my mum um, for those final moments so like although it was kind of a dream that I kind of set out to achieve when I was doing athletics and and once I stopped that thought that it wasn't ever going to come around and and the opportunity would never arise again um and then having the opportunity again with sevens I thought you know what I really want to go for this actually it just wasn't meant to be for me and there's you know there's times through through life when we we have those big injuries before competitions and things and it means that we can't put our best foot forward for selection and and we don't go and and that's sport at the end of the day so yeah I managed to to be with my family and support my family through a tough time Thank you for sharing. It's obviously a, a horrible situation, but do, do you think you learned a lot about yourself during that? Absolutely. I think I'm like, I'm such an anxious person. I'm someone who just worries about everything, even like the smallest of things. Like I'm that person that leaves the house and I'm like, oh, have I left straighteners on or did I did I lock the door? I'm that person. Um, have I forgotten something? And I just... Like it definitely chilled me out a little bit because I was just like, do you know what? Like there's more to life and you need to just sit back, like relax, enjoy the good times. And with rugby, like just, you know, if things aren't going your way, like just remind yourself that it is just a game. Because I think as professional sports people, like it's our job and our expectations are so high of ourselves that sometimes the enjoyment goes and actually when we play at our best is because we're enjoying it. And I think that's something that, again, like in the past I've struggled with and I just need to really focus on the enjoyment part of it and going, do you know what? There's, there's not that much time like left in my career. Um, You know, as we said earlier, like we've been around it for a decade and, you know, there's young ones coming up through, through the ranks and we're kind of towards the end of our career. So actually every time you step foot on the field, you need to go out there, enjoy it and, that's kind of one thing I think I learned through um, going through that process that like rugby's a game, like don't think too much about it because sometimes you can really just go within yourself if you're too worried to 
like try things, express yourself, etc. So yeah, I think it's it's definitely changed me as a person. I, I think it's amazing, and um, you, you obviously earn your your corn playing. But having a mother hen like yourself with those life experiences, especially when you've got kind of young girls coming through 18, 19, 20, 21 now that are full time pros, people with like that sort of life experience and perspective, I suppose, is invaluable. Do you? I'm not saying preach it, but do you try and share? that sort of perspective with some of the younger people do you feel a responsibility as a senior player to add in that way I definitely think so and I think that a lot of the older girls do the same um because we've all had different experiences so I think it's I think it's really invaluable to share them and to show the younger girls that like you know if they've not been selected and they're really upset or whatever Like they're just at the start of their career and there's going to be so many opportunities for them. And sometimes it just feels like the end of the world and actually just kind of having a bit of a perspective on things can really, really help. Okay, cool. Sarah, what what about you? Like you think about, throw it back to when Nolly was kicking about, you're playing, Nolly's playing, you're playing, Nolly's playing, you know, competition for places, you know, what did, what did you learn in that process? Yeah. I was always like so lucky because Nolly's like a close friend of, of mine and Fleo's and she was always like the most generous person in giving advice and what to do and she'd give me like all the time she had to like help me improve my game and I guess you know that's just her as a person obviously she had that coaching background so she was just like an absolute wealth of knowledge and someone who played my position and like asking her for advice it would always be completely honest and, and tell me sort of everything I need to know if I didn't know the calls or I needed to revisit them then she was there she'd do it like, drop her hat so we didn't have that competitive element she just she really wanted me to do well I was just respected her like to the absolute utmost uh, when she was playing so I, I was really fortunate I know it's not always that way when you when you get those head-to-head battles and I think when me and Fleet probably first joined the squad or were in amongst um, some of the EPS stuff when you sort of got on that bus to like go to training, you didn't go anywhere near the back. Like you were shouted down, you know, your, your opinion didn't matter. And I think that's where like a lot of the senior players now think back to is that we don't want to be those people. We see that talent, those young people. Yeah. Like make your own mistakes. I think everyone's got to make their own mistakes, but if we're there just to sort of help them along their way and make that this whole experience more enjoyable for them, then I think that's like the best that we can do. So yeah, I certainly learned from Nolly how to be, uh, sort of a great competitor within the team. Was Rocky at the back of the bus being mean? Yeah, she actually was school. at the back of the bus. I, I can see it, but but experience is a good teacher, right? So you think like that if that's how I was treated, whether it was right or wrong or in, in humour or not, you think that's not the way forward maybe? Um, do you think, you know, with your coaching background, Sarah, you're not coaching now, are you? You did coach. No, well, doing it as much as I can alongside. So do, do you think... And, and Vicky, you as a PT, getting, getting the best out of people, do you think like your your experiences there are good for you in terms of helping coach you know younger players and and contributing to the team? Yeah, for me, I think I, I saw a bit of a turning point in my game when I started to coach actually, and I've realised like how to get those conversations to get like the best out of people and to get the best out of me. I think when you're playing sort of a back three position a lot of what happens and what the ball we receive is a product of other things going on. So it's about how you can sort of have those conversations, manipulate conversations so that you can get the best out of like yourself and other people. Um, And it's, I suppose, doing it in a way where you're being positive still and reinforcing things and not overriding people, letting people still make their own decisions. Because I think you can be on the wing 
or at fullback just sort of being do you know I mean sent calls down the line like Chinese whispers but actually how can we still have massive influence on the game I think I got that from coaching is how can you be on the sideline and still have like influence on the game in the most positive fashion which isn't being like overriding overpowering and just those little snippets of information feeding stuff in it is sort of how I had the transfer what about actually coaching your sister does she listen to you or is it the one player that gets away with doing whatever she wants well, she was always really unfortunate because she was on the wing. So I was in her ear constantly. I was From a professional point of view, though, yeah? Not not as a, a sister telling her what to do. Yeah, no, both. All of it. It was, it was like the only time I could get one up on her. And, you know what I mean? Not have her like going screaming to mum. It was in a rugby context. So it all got put to bed after the game. Very Sunday good. roast wasn't much fun sometimes. Fido, what about you? I was going to say, do you still PT now? Are you allowed to? Are you allowed to admit to that? Yeah, so I'm um, like at the moment just doing online stuff. Um, so like while I'm in camp in the downtime, um, I've still got a few clients that I'm working with. I think the fact that with COVID and everything, before that I wasn't doing anything online and it's kind of made me branch out and actually some people really enjoy it and it's really, really easy. So um, it's something that I can continue to do alongside obviously playing stuff. So uh, for me, it's been really important that I carry on doing that because obviously it's something that I gave up for some time um, when I got my first contract with Sevens. And to be able to just kind of get my foot back in the door, you know, look into like post rugby in the next few years, I want to have kind of been in that sphere and and know that I can walk into a job. Like I've got clients there and ready to go, people that I've worked with for a number of years, and then I can build on that. Um, And I just think it's one of those things that like, same with coaching, like if you haven't done it for a while, like it's really hard to get back into it. So just kind of just having a little bit here and there has been really helpful and it's kept me busy as well. Vicky, let me help you with your marketing. Um, You can plug your business right here. I might sign up as a client, actually. I I do need a little bit of help. Um, What about away from rugby then? We're talking about balance and, you know, interests, hobbies. I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you, Sarah about this mc sarah dj sarah mckenna i know that's just that's actually smoke and mirrors but arts and crafts puzzles trade account and hobby craft painting tell me about it i actually love this i guess i've always been like pretty like creative person would spend like hours doing sort of artsy things like, as a kid like alongside sort of like playing rugby and like being super boisterous doing that I'm like a complete extrovert in that sense. But then I love that time to myself, like spending time on something, building something. So I've got those sort of extremes. But then I suppose it does transfer, like a lot of people say, I'm like a very creative player. So I suppose that's how I like, do you know what I mean? Like, I would love to have that said about me. So, so yeah, I just, um, I guess more recently it's become like cool to do crafts and, and stuff like that, especially like with lockdown. I just do it like in my spare time and learn lots of new crafts and a couple like new skills as I go. And Fleeto came over and made Christmas wreaths with me like a few years back. Um, so I try and like bring it into camp, had a, had a few little craft sessions with people in camp. And it's just such a great way to like have that downtime where you're not glued to a phone. Because at the end of the day, if I've been on my phone like loads, like I know it, like I can feel it. You often don't feel good from it. So if you can have something that completely takes you away from that, completely to a different place in like a super wholesome way then that's it 100 percent agree what a great role model you are have you have you got an example of like a favorite thing like a go-to so you know like jackie noel and in, in the, in the men's team loves his lego 
I love Lego and I hide behind a six, a five-year-old daughter. But um, have you have you got a favourite thing you, you go to? Uh, well, a big thing last year was felting, which is uh, balls of like wool that hasn't been like spun into uh, like I guess like string, and then you get a needle and you stab it and it knots it. So then you can make like little animals or whatever. I like to make animals, and you just create these little animals that are, like dotted around my room. Ironic that you're stabbing things <laughs> to make cute little animals. Yeah. Um, yeah exactly but you'd I'd go on the play and everyone would, like get laptops out and bits and pieces like that and I'd be stabbing this bit of wool it was an Audi middle aisle special so <laughs> I've got some wicked arts and crafts stuff I know we're trying to drag away from phones because I totally get what you're saying when you've been on it too much I literally feel a fog in my head but if you can inspire others by showing your needle stabbing thing maybe on Instagram um, I'll, I'll give it a look and I'll, I'll try it with my kids what about you, Vicky? Just uh, toast the bar, pull-ups, um, broccoli, chicken? No, not just that. Um, I, I love food. So, yeah, just making any any food, trying new recipes, all that kind of stuff, and baking. Love all of that. Everyone thinks that I'm not because I'm so into the gym, but I eat like a trooper. Do you kind of beast yourself in, in the gym and then go eat like some sort of like protein cheesecake or something like that? No. Or- no are you proper just if you're gonna eat you you eat it's not some sort of healthy treat it's just you go no i go all in yeah good um, and then i'm like i'm a forward i'm allowed yeah 100 percent. i had a, a forwards coach dorian west and i obviously had quite tight parameters with my my weight because my weight went up and down i really struggled with it so i had an england camp saying we need you to be at this weight and your skin folds need to be here but then i had my club coach going have another pudding chief he liked his forwards big and heavy. Didn't care what you looked like as long as, you know, you delivered at the weekend and he liked his scrum to be big and heavy. But, you know, that, that was hard to balance when you got your forwards coach saying have another pudding and then your other coach saying don't have pudding. Right, talk to me about your beauty um, routine. I've actually talked to you about this before. You, you're the one with the pineapple haircut. Fake tan. Yeah, I always fake tan like the day before a game. Just like, t- I think everyone looks better with a tan. It's just like a, a look good, feel good, play good kind of situation. Always have my nails painted. Sometimes they'll be a little bit chipped, but they'll always be painted. I did all of last Six Nations. I had fake eyelashes, <laughs> um, but the salons have been closed, so I haven't been able to get them done. Um, I just kind of like to feel girly as well as playing rugby. I think a lot of the girls kind of coming through, you're seeing a lot more of people showing that side because I think previously like people turned their nose up at it and was like no you have to be a certain way you know like if you're going to be like a brute on the pitch like you've kind of got to be that off it and actually I think lots of people just shied away from kind of bringing their own personality and just being themselves because they wanted to show you know I'm really tough and strong on the pitch whereas actually I think it's really important to do the things that you like and, and be how you want to be alongside playing rugby. So yeah, I, I like dresses. I like heels. <laughs> um, I like doing my hair, makeup, all that kind of stuff. Just stepped into a whole different world here. I'm just nodding away going, yeah, yeah. But the, the one thing I'm picking up on, you think it's important to empower people watching you, you know, young girls that either follow you on social media because you've got big, you got a big following, um, people seeing you play on TV. You think it's important and it's a responsibility of yours to show that just just be you, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Whatever that is. And I know that, 
in some of the camps they've like banned fake tan and I'm like what like, I wouldn't be playing <laughs> yeah, but, like, do you know what the, the comparison in the men's game there was coaches that wouldn't pick you unless you wore black boots because white boots or I'll tell you what to find a pair of black boots these days is impossible you know they're all different yeah, they're all the different colors yeah but at, at a certain time you know the traditional mindset of rugby was you conformed and you're 100% right whether it be fake tan or boots I got told I would never play if I played in a headgear. So at 19, I stopped playing in a headgear. And now, look at these babies. <laughs> the collies, baby. Um, I remember when I was a kid wearing white boots, you'd be like, wreck him. <laughs> when I was playing minis and I was like a winger, you'd be like, get him. Yeah, he's soft. He fancies himself. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I, I, I just think you're right. I think the game's changed in that aspect. I mean, the fact that you can't get a pair of black boots. Um but do you know what? I've never, apart from the Welsh players in the men's game, I don't know if fake tan's a big thing. Yeah, the Welsh are all for it. The the women are as well. They love fake tan, don't they? Have, have you got a shade? Have you got like, um? Are you, are you kind of recruiting in camp? Have you got a little colour chart that you kind of sign people up to? I mean, I had to do Marley's fake tan because she was worried that she'd be streaky. Um, but yeah, I just go for the medium because it's, you know, then it's not too like in your face. You don't want to go Ross Geller, do you? Nah, no, nah, I'm not about that. But I'd rather be I'd rather be orange than pale, to be fair. Right, fake tan. Who thought I'd end up here? Um <laughs> so Sarah, you're two years, you're a bit of a, an old wise head, you're two years senior. What's your views on fake tan? I'm all for like look good, play good, but I just I'm probably not organised enough to do it. Especially like the night before. I'm still packing my bag ten minutes before we gotta get on the bus. No, ten minutes after we're meant to be on the bus. <laughs> yeah, we're already meant to be on the bus, and I'm still packing my bag. So no, I, I haven't got that sort of organisation skills to do my tan 24 hours beforehand. But what about your hair? Like, um, I actually I was really surprised that I don't want to make it too trivial and about kind of beauty and and hair and and whatnot. But you've actually got to allocate time. And if someone can't braid hair in the camp, like there's a panic station, right? We used to have a lady who came, who came in um, and did our hair, and she'd get there at like 7 a.m. and she'd have like 10 minute slots for every, like for every, the whole squad and she'd be I don't know how like her fingers must be like cramping up at the end of it because she went through like 23 people she was unbelievable wasn't she Leo? she was actually yeah. from Doncaster we found her in Doncaster she got uh, called in because me and Berth weren't in the squad and we were the ones that did the hair and everyone was like panic stations the night before like who's going to do our hair and then one time she drove down from Doncaster to Exeter and and did everyone's hair Mate, honestly, Mids needs to sign sign her up because it's the same thing. You know, when you find like a good chef, you, like we we went, I think we played in Scotland one year. We played in Edinburgh, and the food was just the next level. We stole the chef from that hotel, and he came and worked for us for like two years. It was unbelievable. Hi guys, Carl Sinclair here. You're listening to England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. This is quick fire. It's called the greatest. It's a little game I've got. You just have to tell me what the greatest is. I'm going to alternate between you, Sarah. I'll come to you first. The greatest ever board game, and why? Mousetrap. Why? Uh, just setting it up was more fun than the game itself. Hundred percent agree with you. Hundred uh, percent. Vicky, box set to binge. Oh, um, Shit's Creek was one of my more recent ones. I loved it. And why? Um, just the characters in it I just would laugh out loud do you know what I tried episode one and I just didn't get past it I know some, pe- some people have, I've, I've heard that from but I just got so into it and loved it Sarah 
Who out of the squad would be the greatest contestant for SAS Who Dares Wins? I want to say Fleeto just because of the obviously the physical aspects, but she's not a big fan of like the cold or mud and like the dirty bits. So that's where she'd struggle. If it was just a case of like carrying an injured soul like over a marathon, like she'd be there, it'd be done before you've even finished your sentence. Um, so next one in would be oh, someone probably unexpected, someone like Zoe Allcroft. Just because she's got like an unbelievable engine, she doesn't ever complain about anything. She just gets on. She just gets on with it. And like, I reckon she'd have like a broken arm in the game, and she wouldn't even tell anyone. She'd just keep going. She's just that kind of person. Fido, you're, you're nodding. I I massively agree with Zoe Oldcroft. Yeah. I thought you were going to massively agree with yourself. I massively agree that I wouldn't like the cold or the muddy bits or all that kind of stuff. Did you talk to Fish about it? Yeah, I remember watching her on it, and there was part where they had to go into like a little igloo. And I really don't like small spaces either. And I was like, nah, I'd be out. I'm not I'm not in for that. It was unfortunate for Fisher because she always said, like, obviously how cold she got because she had no hair. So she was just frozen the whole time. And she, like, she's like a reptile, isn't she? She loves, like, she loves warmth. She, like, needs yeah. a little heat lamp on her permanently. <laughs> I, I did love that. And I just signed up to see them play that murder ball game. And I was like, here goes Fish. How good was she when she started laying it in the boxing, just laying into them? Oh, my gosh. She's a beast. Uh, right, Vicky, uh, what's the one material thing you couldn't live without? Fake tan. Um, Sarah, greatest floor filler, MC? Oh, it changes all the time. At the moment, it's Samba de Janeiro. <laughs> We've put it on a couple of times in the Sarah's changing room, and it's, uh, it's a 90s number, and it's like the one that goes... Duh, 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 duh. You know? It's like yeah. you play at Harry during the darts, so everyone's just start like going away. It just gets everyone going. Uh, last one, Vicky Gredis, take away. Fish and chips, Chinese, what is it? Probably sushi. Can I just say, that's not takeaway. That is that is rubbish because takeaway, you know, Deliveroo has ruined takeaways. You know, you've got your traditional takeaways, but you can get anything now. But you can have sushi. You can have sushi if you want. <laughs> sushi or Thai. Sushi or Thai. Yeah. I'm a fish and chips man. Until I watch Sea Spiracy or what is it? Called? Oh, it's terrible. I love fish though, but it's really sad. It's actually really sad. G- genuine. I went and looked at my tuna, and it had the dolphin safe sticker on it, and I yeah. can't bring myself. To They've eat been tuna. lying to us all this time. There's been a few people in camp who have definitely been more conscious of not eating meat. So then they went down like the pescatarian route, and then they watched that, and they're like, "Oh!" And this prey of salmon gets like wheeled out on the buffet, and you're like, ah, "It's dead now, anyway." <laughs> No, but the thing is, it's like you're either eating bad fish or really bad fish as well. Can, can I recommend something to you? Okay. And I want to recommend it to all our viewers and listeners as well, is Racing Extinction on Prime. That will change the way you live. We're basically going into the sixth or fifth extinction that Earth's ever had. And it's us. I don't think I'll, that's the thing. I can't bring myself to watch these things. No, but it will make you change in a positive way. But we're very good already. We're what we're like everyone's like it's big industry, right? Big industry pollution. It's cows farting. What can I do? I'll light my candle here, you light your candle there. We'll find our way through the darkness. (laughs) Hi, I'm Jess Breach and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Let's talk about serious stuff. I talked to Poppy last week about the importance of visibility. You know, O2 are doing a great job kind of sharing the content, men's, women's equally. What what do you think can be done in the game to grow the game? 
like so much good stuff is already being done. I think where some things lack is a lot of the women's stuff is like get to know the players, stuff like this, insight into the players. But how often do we look at the technical side of things, the technical side of the game? I think a lot of the pieces in the media at the moment are lifestyle, which is brilliant. It's great to get to know the players. By the way, this is a lifestyle podcast. We're getting to know you guys. <laughs> I know, but but how often do we get those people like delivering like technical aspects, tactical aspects about how how the women's game was played, about you know the shape, the patterns? I feel like that analysis isn't done. Whereas it's about oh, like this person's first cap, and it's like the nicey nicey pieces. But I think we that's the elements in in reviews and previews to games that that is missed off because I I don't know much much about boxing, but by the time like the Fury AJ fight, you know, around the corner, I'm gonna feel like I'm a pro. Like I know the ins and outs. Do you know what I mean? Their styles, their this, their that, their form. But we don't have that like hype, and I like. I don't really care much about boxing, but I know when that fight comes along, I'm going to be like there for it. I'm going to be like sending them all the money, like get it on every screen in the house. So I feel like we could really do with that hype. And I get that hype from like knowing the intricacies of boxing, but I feel like they don't go and we lack that intricacies, the tactical technical element to delve into that below the surface of, of what we're doing. So that's what I, that's what I'd like to see. Do you think that's um, that's a product of professionalism, though? Like you guys obviously trailblazing into that and the better competition gets, the better head-to-heads you get. Like I talked to Mids about this because of AP15s, he's got genuine depth now and it's getting to a point where quality players aren't going to play. Like I looked at Poppy Cleal. What happens when, when Sarah Hunter's like back, you know, not wanting to be the water girl anymore? So he's got genuine competition. And then you get the, the same debate as you get in the men's team. It's like, we want Sam Simmons. And it's like, no, we want Billy Vonapola. And it's like, no, we want Don Brandt. All of a sudden, it's going to be like, we want Claire, we want um, Sarah Hunter. So do you think that's going to develop over time? You know, you've got, you got two things here. You don't want to be too hypercritical and get maybe too technical because you're trying to bring a, a new audience to the game, you know, to try and grow it. So I think, you know, commentary, punditry, all around that is probably really uber positive. I think it will come over time, you know, those those key head-to-heads, you know, people's understanding of how certain teams play. What, what about you, Vicky? I'm opposite to Sarah. Like, I genuinely think getting to know the players a little bit more, what makes them tick, what they enjoy, um, like we've spoken about, like what, what players do outside of rugby. Because I think a lot of our interviews and things like that you kind of just have to go with a media-friendly answer. Um, and that's just kind of how you're you're trained to answer a question. And I know, like, some of the men's players get a bit of stick for it, you know, when you get, like, Genji doing a, an interview in his way. Like, I think that's how it needs to come across. Like, rugby's for everyone, and it's about involving everyone in it. And I just think that getting that across is really, really important. Hi, I'm Emily Scarrett and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Um, right, we need to move on to the the sort of uh, the future. I want to know about your future goals. Um, obviously, immediate focus is retaining the Six Nations title. But personally, Vicky, what, what, are, you, what are you working on? Yeah, so obviously getting through the Six Nations and it's with the different format, it's you know, we can't go for that that grand slam, but we obviously want to go out there and, and win it. Um, and then just, yeah, looking forward to building for New Zealand next year. We've got a, an extra year to do it now. So uh, 
hopefully will be so much better for it. What about the, the sort of huge impact or, or blow that New Zealand has been delayed by a year? You've alluded to it, Vicky, um, being around the, the team for a while. There's a lot of talent snapping at your heels. Has that kind of extended your sort of drive? Your Is that a massive carrot and a, a, a big old stick behind you kind of pushing you towards that? I think for a lot of us that are older, like hearing it was literally like such a shock. Um, and then when you go away and think about it, it's like, right, that gives me an opportunity to get better. Um, and all of those things, the fact that, like Sarah just said, like the last year has been such a weird one with with playing, not playing, all that kind of stuff. And then the fact that both of us have been injured. So we've not had like that easy season coming back, even though it's been like, oh, we have been able to play. Oh, we actually haven't because of injury. So it's like we want to get game time in us and make sure that we're on top of our game. And you also want the opposition to to feel that way as well. And, and that's what's going to bring the best games. So there's there's teams that haven't played. Yeah, countries that, that just haven't been able to play. So the fact that it's been pushed back, it will, it will be so much better for the spectators to have spectators there. The games will be so much better. So yeah, like... At the time, it was just it was it was not easy to to hear, but um, yeah, reflecting on it, um, there's so much that we can do in that time, that extra year that we do have. So, do you, do you guys like break that down? Are you just going along and playing and hoping you get a bit better, or or like Vicky, with your training ethics, have you broke that down to strength, kind of speed, skill targets? Have you both done that? Looked at yourselves from like a, a, a landscape or a bird's eye view and gone this is where I can improve, this is what I need to do? Have you made plans for yourselves? We actually did talk quite a lot with the Saris lot about it at the start of the season, how we wanted our week to look. But because of COVID and everything, that kind of messed it all up. So actually, the fact that it has been pushed back, maybe actually we attack as we go into next season in the way that we want. So obviously we all have our IDPs. We have things that we need to work on and actually whatever our strengths are, make sure that we're still working on those as well. But yeah, when it is player driven, it, you can kind of get a little bit more out as well because it's like it's it's looking at those extra little bits that you think you could kind of get out of your game. I know a lot of us said we really want to work on our speed and just it was dictated by the time of the week that we were able to to train. Like it just on a Thursday, like it just didn't work well because we were like, we're near the end of the week, like a bit tired. Then you need to go into a rest day before your game. So just kind of didn't work well to do speed. Um, it's kind of dictated by our SNCs at, at club or with England when you're in camp. So I think we attack it kind of at the start of next season and, and go again. Conscious of time and it's Sunday and it's Easter. We're going to wrap this up. You've got to ask me anything. I've just been grilling you guys here for about an hour, uh, probably an hour and a half due to Vicky's poor internet connection and and my phone going off. Don't worry, I'm, I'm accountable as well. You can ask me anything. Uh, it's part of the pod that we call Ask Dylan Anything. Ask me anything. Let's go. I think given that it's Easter, how do you eat your cream egg? I'll take the top off it with a good bite. And then it's probably melting in my hands at this point. So I put the other half in. I do it in like two bites. I mean, look at the size of me. I don't muck around. She asked that same question to Danny Kerr when we were in under 20s over 10 years ago. I remember. I remember his answer. It was outrageous. <laughs> I mean, does he take his time with it? 
yeah. He gets proper stuck into it, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I, it's, yeah, I don't want to imagine it, if I'm honest. It's <laughs> disgusting. We're letting down the 20s, we're like, what? <laughs> uh, Frido, what you got for me? What's your relationship with Wayne Barnes now? Yeah, What's good as gold. Do you know what, like, what, what happened in 2012, 2013? You obviously got that red card in that grand final and it had a huge impact for me personally and, and the team and and whatnot. And, you know, I was a younger player then. Barnes was a younger ref then. Um, and I think we both learned a lot from the experience. And do you know what? When, when we had um, a, a speaking circuit, when COVID wasn't around, I think he went around telling jokes about it. And equally, I go around telling my side. But... I wrote a book, so, you know, it's the truth. The truth's in the book. And if anyone writes a book, they can't lie in a book as well. So, uh, no, it's good as gold. You know what? It's one of those things that made me wise up and really focus and look at my captaincy, you know, and it made me approach refs differently. And I think I came out better better for it. And you know what? Guess what? He's probably reffing me, you know, as soon as I came back, you know, you know, it's like you get the same refs every couple of weeks. So there's no point holding a grudge. He's in my black book, though. <laughs> Ladies, thank you for your time. Good luck this weekend. Cheers. Have a good one. Yeah. Awesome stuff from the girls there. Do not forget that their Six Nations game against Italy is on Saturday and you can watch it on BBC Sport. We still want to give you some stash, so drop us a review to be in with a chance of winning an England shirt signed by the men at the end of the series. Andy left us this one. It's great that you get the players relaxed and ask the right questions. The replies and banter are great, just like being back in the change rooms. Cheers, Andy. And shout out to Estella, who's always listening to us on their Friday night run. Uh, good on you. Keep going. Thank you to all of you for joining us this week. Be sure to join me next Tuesday for more of the same. I'll catch you then. <laughs>